This is the Weekly Bull and Bear by WealthFest, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, Drew Dockin and Tim Prady will have an in-depth conversation on what's happening in the markets. Hello, everybody. Today, it is the 15th. Yesterday, the markets uh, were absolutely on a tear. Inflation came down pretty much flat monthly, as opposed to the 0.1% increased Dow Jones economists expected. So stocks popped considerably. The S&P was up 1.9%. NASDAQ was up 2.4%. Both for both the best days for both those indices since April. And additionally, it seems that we have some movement in terms of financing for the government to uh, pass the House, pass the Senate, and uh, that will get us funded some parts of the government in January, and then some parts the government will expire in February. Uh, but that was a relief as well. So I think between those two things, stocks responded well. And Goldman Sachs predicts that the global economy is going to top expectations in 2024. So, Tim, what do you make of this? It seemed like there was a lot of positive news yesterday. Yeah. I, I, of all the three things you mentioned, I don't think one of them make a damn bit of difference. Yeah. You know, the you know positioning was definitely for – uh, probably a weaker CPI. The CPI, look, the components of the CPI are all over the place. You had the one healthcare number that was down 32%. There's nothing scandalous about it. It's just the formulation of how they do that number. And that surprised some people, even though that is a that changed how they do that formulation was announced a long time ago. Um, but overall, like, CPI is going sideways. Most, if you look at most economists' projections, they've got CPI running above 3% out for the next couple quarters. So you are still not getting to 2%. You're getting there on goods. Hell, you're at zero on goods, but you are not getting there on services. You are not getting to 2% inflation when we still have 5% plus wage growth. Now, is wage growth declining? Yes, but there's still that pressure. And that's one of the big reasons why CPI is projected to really kind of go sideways at this above 3% level for probably the next six months. Um, look, we're in a, this situation where bad economic news is good news. I don't think the market rallied uh, because of a continuing them saying that there's going to be another continuing resolution. Johnson has now pledged that there's not going to be any more CRs. And, and look, they can't even get a CR done. CR is just saying, look, we'll just do whatever the hell we've been doing, right? It's just, we'll just keep the keep spending with however we've got it set. They can't even pass that. These guys are now saying that they're going to figure out by January and February how to actually pass all of these individual pieces of legislation that they're actually going to have debate on it. Like, there's no chance that they're going to actually be able to accomplish what they need to accomplish uh, in January and February. So it really just kicks that can down the road. Uh, and look, the Democrats and the Republicans are a million miles apart on where they want spending to be. And you are not going to have this gang of aid or whatever the, the far right on the House and the Freedom Caucus acquiesce to anything that doesn't cut spending meaningfully. That's got no chance of getting through um, uh, the Senate or the president's desk. So, you know, I, I really don't think we've made any real progress there except for kicking the uh, the can down the road. And, you know, uh, who cares what Goldman's projections are of of where economic growth is going to be in 24, 24. Look, I'm not saying <laughs> they're not 
they're, they don't have good economists and all that. We, we just don't know. Uh, but from my lens, reason why the market rallied so much yesterday, you mentioned NASDAQ and S&P. Hell, the IWM was up 5%. There's been no bid to IWM. There have been no bid to small caps and mid caps uh, in this market. Uh, and yesterday on you know a, a quirky CPI, they're up 5%. Now, look, is inflation coming down? Yes. And the market is rallying because that pressure is off the 10-year. When, when, when there was more fear of this incessant inflation, that put that upward pressure on the 10-year yield. That has come back down from five to four and a half on weaker economic news. You know, we got really weak news out of small businesses, the NFIB. We got really weak news in terms of delinquencies and net charge-offs from the credit card companies. The architectural billings data is really, really soft. That's a forward indicator of construction. Um, that's why the market's rallying, because the expectation is that things are going to slow enough that it takes the pressure off of inflation, but apparently not so much that we that we won't be able to achieve 12% earnings growth next year, which I think is a bit absurd, given that we've had de minimis earnings growth with 8% you know, in declining from 15% nominal GDP growth. Well, nominal GDP is slowing and it's slowing meaningfully. How are you all of a sudden going to accelerate your revenue and earnings growth? Sorry, that was a long diatribe to get started, Drew. I must have had a lot of pent up uh, anxiety. Yeah, no, no. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on whether we're done with the rate hikes? I mean, Jamie Dimon had some thoughts yesterday, uh, but yeah, I'd be curious. I mean, like you say, the consumer sentiments come down uh, dramatically. Um, you know, it's the levels that we haven't seen since 2011. Um, I mean, the thing is, this is kind of back. This was this all this that was getting compiled before this recent print. So yeah. I don't know how much we can make of it, but yeah. Yeah. I mean the sentiment data, the NFIB is sentiment data, right? Yeah. It's a yeah. and everybody has dismissed sentiment data because it has been bad. The hard yeah. data has been yeah. holding up and the sentiment data has been negative. People say, well, maybe it's politics, right? If small business owners tend to be conservative, um, you know, is that skewing how they see the economy? There's probably some of that. And we'll get to the Powell and, and the Fed question next. But the, 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 the data that shocked me, I think it was uh, Siena. Who does Siena do the polls with? ABC. New York CBS, Times, right? New York Times, Siena. Yeah. And they had a poll yesterday that in under 30-year-olds, the percentage who thought the economy was good was 6%. The economy yeah. who thought the who thought the economy was poor was 39%. Unemployment is at 3.9%. Participation is high. Wage growth is 6%. But inflation, these kids are consumed with how much more everything costs. Mm -hmm. And remember, one of the things I think that is impacting sentiment and, you know, we're looking at, you know, quarter over quarter or month over uh, month, month over month or year over year figures and Oh, you know, CPIs come down to 3% core. How great. Um, but they're looking at it. Somebody at the supermarket is looking at it and saying, yeah, but the Cheerios are still getting more expensive, right? Yeah. The apartment is still that much more expensive. Maybe I've got some real wage growth now, but I certainly didn't for two years, uh, 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 given, you know, how much more my rent went up, how much more my car payment got, went up, how much my variable cost on my debt has gone up. 
You know, so uh, the sentiment is really, really poor. And I don't think you can just wave it off and say, well, it's just all politically driven. Uh, do no. I think the, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, and with that under 30 crowd you mentioned, I mean, things, gas has fallen, electronics has fallen, but rent, rent increased. Um, and, you know, student debt, they probably a lot of people were banking on where you talk about politically, a lot of the dissatisfaction was the inability to have a resolution on that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a bunch of people going home and screaming into an empty bag of Doritos functionally uh, for those guys, <laughs> you know, but yeah. 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 Which yeah, I no. get. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Cause it is yeah. that it's, it's that accumulated cost. It's the cost that you see every day. Um, so anyway, do I think the fed is done hiking? Yes. I think the fed is done hiking because and I think the market is getting it right. The economy is slowing. Like forget about this, this 4.9% GDP growth in the, in the third quarter, partly driven by inventories, but in fairness, surprise, uh, consumption, consumption is clearly slower. Uh, here in uh, at least the data that we've started to get, the more high-frequency data, um, you have gotten to have a meaningful slowdown in October. And I think that continues. And, and the number that I, what I keep focusing on in terms of uh, making me feel with, uh, with some conviction that we really are slowing is going to be housing. Look, architectural buildings have collapsed. Like it's one of those series where it's never done this and not been a recession. And at the same time, construction jobs are still at all times high, all time highs and still being added. Those two things don't go together either. And, and the ABI is more obviously forward looking than employment data. The point is, is that we, we've dismissed these leading indicators. They are all the boy who cried wolf. And yet. Maybe maybe it takes longer this time for all the reasons that we've discussed, government support, nominal wage growth etc. Uh, but cost of capital, the availability of capital, it's still what drives economic cycles. What do we make of gas prices? Um, the average gas price declined to $3.44 last week. That's a 37 cent drop from a month ago. We've got eight states now where gas is below three. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's been no resolution in the Middle East. I don't know how much uh, excess supply there is coming out of rogue states like we talked about in our Q3 report, if that's still continuing. But um, yeah, there's been a precipitous decline in, in gas in the United States. But but gasoline is getting more expensive in Europe and other yeah. places with more proximity to a lot of these conflicts. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Look, it really comes down to r refineries and how are refineries running and what are their cracks look like? Uh, and 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 they were making a lot of money on gasoline. They were making a lot of money on distillate. So they were running everything full out. Um, they were uh, uh, the explanation that I that I read on terms of refinery production is as you want to generate in a, because distillate spreads were really high. So as they're working really hard to uh, increase their distillates, you at by the same time uh, are going to end up creating more gasoline. Uh, and you know we are in a slightly slowing economy, so. Uh, demand is down, not materially, but a little bit. Uh, gas demand really is is pretty flat, even through recessions, by the way. Um, but so that is that kind of explains how you got into an overcapacity situation briefly. But you know, my argument when you talk about refiner re, re, <coughs> refining capacity in this country, and every time you get to really weak uh, margins like they have right now, when I say crack beds, I'm talking about their their margins. Um, they take capacity down. And when capacity comes off, it, it tends to stay off. 
We're never building another refinery in this country. So, you know, enjoy good gas prices while they last. But our view is that we have a world of higher oil and uh, higher product prices because there is no reinvestment in growing the um, refinery capacity in this country. You know, and it seems like a lot of corporations have been able to avoid the Russian sanctions uh, as well. Um, very few people are buying Russian, you know, petrol for under sixty dollars a barrel. Um, yeah, there was then, a good piece on that recently. Yeah, yeah. that basically showed the Russians are getting what they need. They probably pay the Indians will probably pay some discount uh, and so forth, and there are probably some discounts. But you know, it seems like all of these Greek ships that get taken you know they basically change llc's uh and you know it, it, what was it was it the department of defense the other day that uh, who who tracks it i forget but that basically said yeah i mean there are hundreds of these greek ships that are carrying russian oil and and there's no cap on on what they're getting right yeah um so vaccine but i you know that probably you know, explains a lot of why their GDP's only gone down two percent, right? Uh, the the biggest sanctions, which is you know, it's Russia's a gas station; those aren't biting. So, you know, yeah. I, I really wonder what long term production is going to look like uh, for Russia. I mean, you are you're destroying the country, right? I mean, engineers and 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 people are that can get out of the country are getting out of the country. Obviously, too far too many young people are getting killed in in the war. Uh, but you have this massively shrinking population and brain drain. I can't imagine Putin is thoughtfully reinvesting in long-term resource growth in those fields. And, you know, you look at the history of Pemex and Venezuela uh, and other oil states. If you don't reinvest in well maintenance and so forth, you lose your ability to economically produce from those wells. And I just I wonder if there isn't a, a longer term issue uh, looming for Russian production. Oh, um, yeah, I think the brain drain across the boards could kill them. Um, just the other day, I was looking up like Aliyah um, statistics in terms of people returning to Israel as a homeland. Yeah. I mean, Russia's got maybe it looked, if I remember off the top of my head, like 150,000 Jews live in Russia. Well, in 2022, 40,000 left and made Aliyah and went right. to Israel. So you yeah. have a few years like that, and one segment of the population is completely gone. Um, sure. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about this Moody's outlook. Um, you know, if you represent, if you're in D.C. at all as elected official, you're angry that this is even broached. Um, but you know, this is three months ago. Fitch lowered U.S. long-term foreign currencies from uh, to you know double A plus from triple A. Uh, it seems like the shoe's going to drop uh, for Moody's. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. I saw the headline, and my first thought was. Oh, they downgraded, but they downgraded the outlook. But look, it's kind of my my rant earlier about we didn't th th there was no positive news about getting this CR done and Johnson now promising and well he will be held to the promise that they're actually going to go through a budget process um, because just, there's been no ability to do that. Um, the Democrats and Republicans get further and further away. The art of compromise is gone as populism rises. I've written a number of essays about the impact of gerrymandering and what that means to actually having a Congress that can create legislation and that can compromise. Um, I, I just I, I, I couldn't be more uh, negative 
on what I think the capability of Congress is, especially the House uh, going forward. And I think that that Moody's and Fitch and S&P will all have to recognize uh, that, you know, that we are in a bad shape politically and populism has taken hold. And one of the manifestations of that is going to be really, really poor stewardship of the economy. I mean, you had almost two fistfights yesterday on the Hill, uh, you know, <laughs> Senate Mullen, Senator Mullen with the Teamster and then uh, McCarthy elbowed one of the eights. You know, I, I forget what that story was, but uh, I mean, that was uh, Sean O'Brien, the head of the Teamsters, who's either from Southie or Charlestown. Either way, yeah. he's not backing down from a fight from anybody. At least he's no. going to run his mouth about it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, how embarrassing for a U.S. senator to say this is a time, this is a place, let's have a fight. Like Bernie Sanders is just going to stand there. Well, well, you know, <laughs> the yeah, 82 year old Vermont fight. Bernie Sanders <laughs> holding him back. <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah. with 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 what you saw with McCarthy yesterday and is it Burchett from Tennessee? Yeah. Like these guys have grown to hate each other. These mm -hmm. guys have really grown to hate each other. There's a lot of it. Uh, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene has got all these people that she hates and that hate her and, and so forth. There's all these factions. So it's not even that the Republicans, Democrats are so far apart. It's that the Republican Party itself has become so fractured and, and incapable uh, as the majority. And by the way, I think there will be a bigger I, I everybody loves to talk about how the don't ignore all polls a year out. Well, what if what if the concern is the economy and what if the economy is super late cycle, go, you know, looking to feel the effects of much higher monetary policy and much less fiscal support? Uh, what is that economy going to look like? So if these are the trends in the polls now, what are they going to look like a year from now? Uh, it's just, you know, all that 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 D.C. wisdom of the polls don't mean anything. I don't think that that may that may historically have been correct, but in the situation that we're in right now with the economy slowing, I think you want to heed what these polls are telling you. Yeah, and in terms of the polls, Biden's lost a lot of support amongst what should be the most loyal parts of his coalition, which is younger voters, yep. uh, non-white voters, mm -hmm. the people who feel most aggrieved. So it's not so much that these are going to be once again Trump voters; they're just not going to show up. Yeah. Um, this yeah. is the, is the fear. Um, uh, yeah. But I mean, Ron McDaniel, the head of the GOP came out and said, even if he's convicted, he's our candidate. The new speaker Johnson came out and said not unequivocally, he's, 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 he's going to support, uh, the former president. So, you know, as much as you, you, you'd hope that Nikki Haley or Chris Christie or whomever, or Glenn Youngkin could, could emerge. Uh, that's not going to happen. And we are going to have a situation where the nominee of the major party and maybe the leading candidate for president uh, is somebody who is going to jail. Uh, and, and I just I'm, I'm having a hard time getting my head around that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the no labels kind of that whole running someone else seems weird. It's not like Rashida Tlaib is running against Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> and then we have to put a like a 96 year old Joe Manchin and the ghost of Paul Ryan together. Uh, so I, I just don't know what their play is. But, yeah, it's 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 odd. <laughs> you like Nikki Haley? You get seven to one odds. Nikki Haley. You like that bet? I, well, that's that, that whole thing's a doomsday scenario. She'd have to get first in Iowa. Uh, the thing is, DeSantis is still second, but if DeSantis drops out, those voters are going to Trump. 
So it's not like she can make a massive coalition, I don't think. Um, yeah. And I, Christie's I, got his 3% in New Hampshire. I mean, he he might endorse her, but I, that is that is the play, right? I mean, she seems like she's doing better than all the other ones and is uh, there's there is some appetite amongst some Republicans, but then also a lot of Americans for just kind of uh, something that looks more old school and familiar, you know, pretty yeah. seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's my. This is not investment advice, but I like yeah. Nikki Haley at seven to one odds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Sounds good, Tim. Um, well, thanks for all the listeners, subscribers this week, and and we're out. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host, and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wellfest. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by Wellfest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. Wealthfest does not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. Wealthfest does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any of the contents. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal.